You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Oh, yeah! Comes the Kool-Aid man through the wall. I don't know, guys. I'm just feeling good today. I'm feeling good today. Jacob, how you feeling? I'm doing good. I don't know if I'm quite that good, but hey, happy Tuesday, man. 334-321-1390 is the number to call or toll free at 888-382-7502. We got a fun show planned for everybody today. Phone lines are open here on this Tuesday for the entire show. We They're are taking open. your calls on anything. If you got questions for us, if you're an NFL dude and you want to talk about the NFC West for some random reason, call in about it. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We'll talk about anything in the sports world. Of course, Auburn football, Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball, Auburn softball, gymnastics. Well, I was about to say Jacob's favorite pastime, figure skating. Dude, not just figure skating, bro. The whole Olympics themselves. Tomorrow night at like 10.30 Central Time, the U.S. women's soccer, or not soccer, the U.S. women's hockey team, U.S. women's hockey team plays Canada for the gold medal. You got to watch it, man. You win. Yeah. Not not (laughs) soccer, y'all. Hockey, not soccer. Ugh. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We're taking your calls all show long for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to open up the show today, similar to how we opened it up yesterday, but yesterday it was just a report. Today it is official. Burt Watts, now the sixth Auburn assistant coach or Auburn coach on staff to leave the Tigers program as he is on his way to the Denver Broncos to be the outside linebackers coach a promotion for Burt Watts who I would say had a successful 2021 season and honestly was one of the most successful assistant coaches on Auburn's 2021 staff the Tigers finished sixth in the SEC in sacks with 36 that was their highest sack total since 2018 so it's been three four seasons since they've been able to get to that mark 36 is a lot that's a solid number I feel like in terms of the amount of sacks that you're able to produce from the defensive side of the football as well as on special teams Auburn's kick coverage units whether it be on kickoffs or punts much better than it was in years prior and I think we are beginning to see the emergence of Oscar Chapman as potentially the best punter in Auburn football history people are going to talk about that they'll take my word for it but he has been phenomenal of course the offensive side of special teams left a lot to be desired but when you talk about a six and seven football season and some of the things that Burt Watts contributed to the Auburn football program this is a loss I liked this guy's energy I did too it's definitely a loss but what we talked about yesterday was before it went final you know we were discussing the fact of oh here we go again another assistant coach leaving the program but I made the point and you kind of agreed with me like 
I think he should have taken a promotion. And if you look at his his farewell speech that he put out on Twitter. And it I'll, was all love. It was all love. And I'll kind of read it out. He says, I would really like to thank the Auburn University sports family for giving me my me and my family a great year on the Plains. I would like to thank Coach Harson and Alan Green for the opportunity to improve as a football coach and grow as a person. He goes on talking about the players. But then at the end, he says, I was fortunately offered an opportunity to coach in the NFL. And as much as I would have loved to stay at Auburn, I could not pass on the opportunity. Thank you all, War Eagle. That's exactly what we had said yesterday. He wasn't leaving Auburn and leaving the program because he didn't want to be here. He, he got a better opportunity. It's definitely a different message than some of the others that we've seen when folks have left the program, whether it be a coach or a player. Yes, a, a very different message. It wasn't, I'm leaving a toxic relationship. It's, I've got a promotion to go take a better job, which can lead to other better jobs in the future, and I just can't turn it down. So... I don't see it as a bad thing. I don't think Auburn fans should flip out about this. It, it hurts to lose him because at the points you had made in the beginning, I think the special teams had started to take a good turn for Auburn. But other than it hurting to lose him, it's not a huge deal um, and not a warning sign for Auburn fans. I'm interested, I'm interested to see how Auburn approaches this position, Coach, to see who they're able to get. I'm interested to see how that goes for the offensive coordinator spot as well. There's two openings right now on staff for Auburn that it's late in the game, right? NFL openings now are being filled. You've got Nathaniel Hackett with the Denver Broncos hiring someone away from your staff, right? This is typically where the coaching carousel in college has slowed down and the NFL has ramped up. And you will see in right now to about you know the next month or so, you will see college teams have to deal with the fact that they will have lost guys off of their staff to go to the NFL so the domino effect is it does affect the college level after the NFL goes after some of their guys and that's how Auburn's been affected here I'm just curious with the dysfunction of what happened last week the last week and a half where does Auburn go for their two openings understanding that the job is incredibly difficult and there's no guarantee for your job security past this football season and to be completely honest with you, Noah, and the listeners, for the special teams coordinator, I don't know where they go to hire whoever it's going to be. I have no idea. Um, but the offensive coordinator, I think, is going to be what we've already discussed and promoted from within. And I think at this point in the season, they may end up having to do that for special teams as well, just because it is so late into the off season because spring ball is right around the corner. I mean, the A day game is a month and a half away and trying to find someone brand new is going to be extremely difficult. Not that that can't be done, but I would, I would assume that both of these positions would be filled from within. Well, you're going to have, I don't know if you're going to get Burt Watts's position filled from within because let's talk about offensive coordinator first and then I'll get to Burt Watts, right? You talk about OC right now, say they fill from within and that would mean the candidate that I would imagine that gets hired as the offensive coordinator, that would be Eric Keesaw. That would be my take on that. Well, you still have an opening on the offensive staff that you need to fulfill. And with him being the wide receivers coach and that being his specialty, and that's where you would want him to coach in addition to his offensive coordinator role, that means you have to go and hire a quarterback's coach. So just because you promote Eric Keesaw doesn't mean that you have filled a vacancy on the football team you have just right. reassigned a role right and I guess you filled the offensive coordinator vacancy but a new one has now appeared right there is displacement there 
on the offensive side of the football. So regardless of what they do, if they do have an internal promotion on the offensive side of the football, they still have to go out and hire a quarterback's coach. But I think that is the more likely route that Auburn is going to go, that they are going to promote Eric Keesaw because it will be easier to find someone that fits the bill of what you're looking for in a quarterback's coach than maybe what you're going to be able to get away from another school at this point because let's just be honest once again I go back to with all the dysfunction and you can't guarantee job security after one year how are you going to rip away an established offensive coordinator from somewhere else I've seen some lists suggest Jeff Grimes from Baylor his head coach just got an extension Dave Aranda got an extension through 2029 he ain't leaving Baylor to come to Auburn to risk the biscuit for the coaching career right that's not gonna happen and so the types of candidates that you're going to be looking at for offensive coordinator once again or or quarterbacks coach whatever it may be you're not going to convince someone to leave a situation where they've got security and they've got some things going well even if it would be traditionally an upward move for them from like a Baylor to an Auburn or from, you know, in the instance of Phil Longo at North Carolina, right? Like non-traditional football powers where they're having success, it's clearly an upward move for them to Auburn. Well, you may not necessarily be able to convince those guys where they currently have job security, they're currently experiencing success, this may not be the move for them. So you're probably going to be looking at guys who have a little bit more reward have a little bit more they're a little bit more open to taking a risk and someone like a major Applewhite maybe at South Alabama right he's at South Alabama he's not at a power five job major Applewhite has been at South Alabama was cast away since he's been a head coach at Houston has truly experienced a descent in college football to be the offensive coordinator at South Alabama and he had some success there this year He's somebody that maybe would be willing to take a shot at this because it could, if he has success this year, even if things fail for Auburn in the long run, say Auburn goes 7-5, and five, the offense was decent though and he had some success, he might land a little bit easier down the line. It may help restart his career even if things don't work out fully at Auburn, right? There are other coaches out there, I think, that the risk makes sense but for others it doesn't and I think Auburn is looking for some guys that maybe are in some lower places in college football right now rather than some established locations you've got Auburn fans pulling their hair when you say they're going seven and five next year but yeah I mean here's the thing I think about they it. do better than that for the record I won't get yeah, into it I think right. they do better than that for they, the record I but think they're gonna have to and, and that kind of goes into our next point is you know what but the outside world does not think Auburn's going to do better than that. And it's easy to to say that they won't, just given the situation, given the teams on Auburn's schedule. It's easy to look at them and say, eh, that's a six or seven win team if they're lucky. And, you know, it, it's easy for outside people to say that. And so that that's how I view the offensive side of the football right now. We need to talk about Bird Watts a little bit before we move into some of the other stuff here that we've got planned for segment number one. But that, that's the way that I view the offensive vacancies right now is that the guys that they're going to attract it's going to be an internal promotion I think that's my guess I don't have any inside information on it that's just my guess that they're going to promote Eric Keesaw it's the easiest way they've got to get things settled down right and they've got to get everybody on the same page so what better than someone that Brian Harson clearly trusts and someone that does have prior offensive coordinator experience than Eric Keesaw and then they can go and find someone young that they can groom that maybe has had 
somewhat of a successful track record coaching quarterbacks that can that that they can get this quarterback room excited about similar to how they got Austin Davis how they got those quarterbacks excited to work with Austin Davis that's what you're looking for you just may not be able to attract someone from the NFL to this position after everything that's happened over the last month it's probably a college move if I had to guess now you go to the defensive side of the football and you look at Burt Watson how he has coached the outside linebackers position you're going to go after someone with energy you're going to go after someone that you feel pretty confident that they're going to be able to recruit the position fairly well and you're going to look at somebody that that knows how to coach the technique very well once again the reality for this position is the exact same as what I just said on the offensive side of the football you're not going to be able to attract someone that's established you maybe you're going to be able to go out and get a longtime veteran coach that's been in the game a journeyman that is comfortable with bouncing around from location to location right you remember Greg Brown at Auburn and how many different places he had been at right coaches like that maybe they do want to come to Auburn maybe they do want to go and take a shot here or take a stab here because they are comfortable with moving around from location to location but honestly I think what Auburn's going to look for at this position because it comes with a position you're coaching guys that are the psychopaths on the football field right you're coaching the guys that want to go and get after the quarterback it's a high energy position you look at how Nick Eason was you look at how Burt Watts was I think they're going to look for someone that's a culture guy a tough guy a high energy guy someone with youth someone that can sell the position to recruits that's what I think they're going after I think they're gonna have a hard time getting someone that's established but that would be what I would imagine and forgive me that I'm not familiar with the landscape of college football's outside linebackers coach because that's that that is the depth that is in the weeds right but as more and more you know I imagine Auburn's gonna make this hire on some random Tuesday afternoon or some random Wednesday afternoon you're gonna say oh who's this guy and it's gonna be somebody from the Mountain West they're gonna be some Utah they're gonna be some ex-Utah State outside linebackers coach or defensive coordinator it's going to be something like that 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 is the vibe that I've gotten with Auburn coaching hires it's it's going to be somebody that fits the culture and fits what Brian Hartson wants whether or not that's a good thing for Auburn or not I think some of these coaches have worked some of them have not and I think you and I would agree most of the coaches that have worked have been some of his choices that have made Auburn fans initially scratch their head but they were extremely successful and it and it, it's probably going to end up having to take somebody like that. And when Auburn makes that kind of hire, whether it's this week, next week, whatever, Auburn fans and in the media can't just flip out and be like, well, who in the world is this? And is this guy any good? I think we're just going to have to see who he is and see what he can do with the team because we're not going to know much about him, if I had to guess. I feel like Burt Watts was successful. He's not somebody that we talked about hardly at all this year. He was an outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator. We didn't talk about that. But as I broke down the numbers for you to open up the segment, he actually had some success this year he, he had the highest sack total for Auburn since 2018 we talk about Auburn's kick coverage it was a complete reversal of fortune to what we had seen in the two years prior under Gus Malzahn now the offensive side of special teams that wasn't great but I would much rather see the defensive side of things on special teams not be something that hurts you right you can still win the special teams battle if you're locking things down on the defensive side of special teams offensively obviously that further helps your case if you can add an extra 10 yards to your return or you could score a touchdown but on average most teams are only going to return one kick per year if not even you know they may not even return a kick for a touchdown right and so it's much better to not allow yourself to get hurt by other teams getting positive field position on you because you're giving up 15 20 yard returns like Auburn was doing over the last two years so I feel like Burt Watts had a lot of success Nick Eason had a lot of success on the defensive line those were two guys that 
Auburn fans were scratching their heads when they got hired because they didn't know who they were. I think Jeff Schmetting's had some success here in the early stages. You talk about linebackers and what they've done. Brad Bedell, a tight ends coach. Look what happened with the tight ends, guys. This oh, is, these yeah. are the best pass catchers on the football team. You talk about the coaches that were brought from out west, the guys that are bought into the culture that Brian Harson is selling. Those are the coaches that I feel like had the most success. And you look at the guys who are gone and some of his coordinators that are gone. Hmm. Those were guys that had the southeastern ties. Those were guys that were hired to bring in to help him acclimate to the southeast, and they were not successful. So what you're saying is something different may actually be able to work at Auburn? Is that what you're trying to say here, Noah? Yes, I think so. Now, now with that being said, we have to look at recruiting, and we have to say that on the other side is what we were just talking about right there was on-field results and what we saw in 2021. From a recruiting standpoint, who were the guys that were having the most success? Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, Cadillac Williams, Zach Etheridge, coaches that have connections to the Southeast, right, that weren't necessarily Brian Harson dudes, but were Southeastern slash Auburn dudes that knew how to recruit the landscape. So it's fair to say, and what we've talked about with this coaching staff, is that I think this coaching staff knows X's and O's. I think this coaching staff knows how to coach football. I think they know how to develop. I think that is their wheelhouse. What they are lacking in, at least from what it appears on the outside looking in, it appears that they struggle in the networking on the networking front and on the recruiting front, and they've lost some of their best recruiters out of the program. How does this group, Brian Hartson's guys, his staff, 2022, how do they recruit with all of the stuff that's happened inside the program over the last week and a half over the last month? They're going to have to win football games. That's going to be the biggest seller to whether or not they are able to recruit. It's it's not going to necessarily be about their personality. That's going to play into it. But if they win, that's going to fix a lot. And you can't and, – and to wrap all of that up, the previous regime could recruit. I mean, Gus Malzahn and his coaching staff, they could recruit, but they couldn't develop players. That player, when he showed up on campus, was the same player when he left. And they could recruit four and five stars, but they couldn't develop them. Now if you look at this Brian Harson situation and this coaching staff, yeah, they're not recruiting – five stars and top 15 top 10 classes but in just the one year you could see the development and the improvement of the players on the roster and how they play better football but you can't have just one or the other to be a great team because Gus Malzahn and Auburn was not great and and so far under year one with Brian Harson, Auburn's still not great because they have one or the other but you've got to be able to recruit studs four and five stars and then make them better during their time at Auburn. If you can get both of those, I mean, you're going to be a great football program. Look at Alabama and Georgia. That's what they do. They recruit four and five stars, and they make them even better by the time they're going to the pros. And the reality is this thing may net out at zero, and what thing I'm talking about is moving on from Gus Malzahn. You talk about Malzahn and what he just did, his recruiting better than Brian Harson's, but development in X's and O's, maybe not as good. And, and being able to teach technique to these players, maybe not as good as what we've seen from Brian Harson up to this point. At least that's that's our hunch. And you, and you hear how people have talked about Brian Harson, even former players, saying this guy can coach football, right? You know that, that they've got that ability. But then you also take a look at Brian Harson. If he's on average recruiting around 18th in the SEC, doesn't do much better than that, is bringing in three stars, low four stars, 
Well, it may net out at zero. He may be able to elevate those guys up, but we've seen this at Kentucky over the last five years. They've recruited in that same wheelhouse, just barely inside the top 25, and they never had a prayer against Alabama or Georgia, and they got blown out in those football games, even have struggled with Florida and the better Florida teams that we've seen over the last five years. But Kentucky still found ways to win eight, nine games every year. Well, guess what? That's where Gus Malzahn had Auburn. So regardless of the fact you asked me a few minutes earlier, could something different work at Auburn? Well, it may just end up being a net zero, just maybe a different route that we got there. What takes this thing to the next level is when this football program, based on on on-field results, that seems to be the strategy now, or at least how I think the program is going to take the next step, what happens on Saturdays is going to have to ultimately sell this program. Not necessarily people that know how to be charming and know how to build relationships and know how to network at least that seems the approach of this football program obviously you need that you want good recruiters you want good networkers and I think that will help this coaching staff if they can adapt in that way but if they don't adapt then ultimately what's going to sell this program is whether or not they win on Saturdays is nine wins a season with losses to Alabama and Georgia and then insert another team here whether it be LSU or Texas A&M or a non-conference opponent is that going to be enough to sell recruits on the future with this program I think it'll elevate recruiting a little bit and if he can get his recruiting back to where Malzahn had it at edge of top 10 top 10 every once in a while Malzahn even had a top six class one year if he can get the recruiting to that point and couple that with his development I think he can be incredibly successful but all that remains to be seen it is just the beginning of year two Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on Tuesday, February 15th. We've had a good show so far. If you want to call in, give us a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you about anything going on in the sports world. But first, let's take a listen to the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. I'm Noah Gardner with your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Auburn outside linebackers coach and special teams coordinator Burt Watts is the latest Tiger assistant to leave the program now that he has made the move to be the Denver Broncos outside linebackers coach. Watts helped Auburn to finish sixth in the SEC and sacks this season with 36. The latest AP Top 25 was released for college basketball with Auburn dropping just one spot to number two after splitting with Arkansas and Texas A&M last week. The Tigers are still receiving four first place votes as Gonzaga took the top spot with 56 six first place votes. Three Arizona, four Kentucky, and five Purdue round out the top five. Auburn and Kentucky are among five SEC teams appearing in the rankings with number 16 Tennessee, 23 Arkansas, and 25 Alabama rounding out the top 25. The biggest movers this week were Villanova hopping up five spots to number 10 and Houston falling eight spots to number 14. Tonight's college basketball schedule is loaded up with plenty of top 25 action. At the 6 p.m. time slot, number nine Duke hosts Wake Forest on ESPN, while number 20 Texas is at Oklahoma on ESPN2. At the SEC, it's South Carolina at Ole Miss on ESPNU and Florida at Texas A&M on SEC Network. 8 p.m. time slot, the headliner, number four, Kentucky at number 16, Tennessee on ESPN and number 23, Arkansas and Missouri play on SEC Network. I'm Noah Gardner and that's your Radio Alabama Sports Minute. That was a listen to the Radio Alabama Sports Minute. Again, if you want to call in, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to the phone line. Terry on line one. Terry, welcome in. 
Terry, are you there? I think we lost, I think we lost Terry. We'll get him back All on right. in just a moment. So, again, if you want to call in 334-321-1390, Terry, hopefully we get back with you here in just a few minutes. But, no, I want to talk to you about Auburn basketball. We started the show with football. Okay, I think we got Terry back on the line. So let's try this again. Terry, welcome in. Hey, guys, how y'all doing? Doing well, Terry. Great. Guys, I, I, I want to talk to you about what you were talking about. I think this year is more important recruiting-wise than ever because next year's class is so good. I mean, I was looking at it yesterday. It's five. You got about five five stars and ten four stars. It's really loaded, and these are guys that can make a difference. And while you always hear about uh, the guys believing in Brian Harson, the seniors that came back, the the, the Troxels and the and the, the Shankers and those guys, but you don't hear a lot about. I thought the one of the two of the two best players on Auburn's offense last year was Tank Bigsby and Jaquez Hunter, and you didn't hear a, lot, a whole lot of them. And and guys. Sophomores and juniors are the guys that are going to be there when things do take the good things do happen. You know whether Brian Harson's a coach or not. So I, I think Tank coming back is just a sign enough that that Tank wants to be here. And regardless of everything that was reported about Tank, they it was wrong. Like it, it didn't actually happen, right? So you know, in, in, in today's reporting landscape, those types of things happen where you know you you just. We, we don't know totally what's going through these guys' heads. So I, I'm not buying too much into the, the idea that Tank doesn't want to be here or something like that. I, I just don't think that anybody knows that. And as far as Jarquez, he's at every single basketball game. I think he loves it here. I think he's balled in. He's shirtless in the student section with Derek Hall and Jalen Simpson. I think he loves it here 100%. So I, I don't disagree with any of that yeah and, and so I think those guys are bought in I'm with you and I think anybody that's still here you had your mm-hmm. opportunity to leave right 20 guys left and if you weren't a part of that group that left then you obviously wanted to be here you wanted to you wanted to stick it out right for whatever reason and so if you're st- I, I know there's the more vocal guys that's because those are your veterans those are your seniors those are the guys that when they say something it punches a little bit harder and so I, I think everybody that's still here they want to be here they want to be a part of the culture I think last week got blown way out of proportion probably uh when talking about the culture inside the program and that was the point i was going to make was i think if they're still here whether they made a statement on social media or not i think if they're still here they had their chance to go and they didn't they want to be here and they believe what brian harson's selling and i say so that that was the point i was going to make as well well i don't think anybody anybody would even ask the question brian harson's ability to coach x's and o's but you guys know as well as I do, it's the recruiting. You got to get the players there to do it with too. Yep, you're right. And next year's, is, I keep hearing next year's as good a year as there is. And if if Alabama's going to, they're going to get theirs. So let's just let's just be honest, guys. But if you let Clemson and, and Georgia, whoever else, come in here and get a bunch of players, now I'm not ready. I'm not really the the waves of white like Georgia because Auburn's winning Georgia and got Owen Papo and Tang Bigsby out of Georgia. Hey Terry, we got to head to a quick break, man. We appreciate the call. Take care, guys. That was Terry on the line with us. I do want to take a stab on that when we come back. I appreciate the call. Phone lines are open all show long. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind, call in. We'll talk about it. We're taking your calls all show long. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you here today on this Tuesday. I want to say thank you to Terry for calling in right before the break. 
And before that, we'd been talking about Auburn football. Now we can dive into a little bit of Auburn basketball. Of course, the new AP poll came out yesterday. We talked about it a little bit, but we're going to dive into it just a little bit deeper. Auburn now the number two team in the country after going one and one last week. Of course, they lost to at Arkansas, but then they came home and won against Texas A&M. Now they're the number two team in the country. And so, Noah, I want to ask you, is this okay for Auburn to still be just the number two team in the country? Is there a reason to worry for Auburn fans? No, definitely not. And I hope that Auburn fans, and I've seen a lot of conversation and discourse about the AP Top 25 on Twitter over the last couple of days, and I know this is just the Auburn Twitter mob and their jovial approach to social media. I know that there's some sarcasm there, and I know there's just some fanhood there, right? Like, it's not serious, right? It's social media. But I do hope Auburn fans, the target has to change here. Being number one was cool because, and being number one was significant. Maybe that's a better way for me to put it. Being number one was significant because it had never happened before in Auburn history. So it was something to celebrate. It was something that further sells how far this program has come since Bruce Pearl has been here. But the rankings in college basketball don't mean a whole lot. Duke right now, barely inside the top 10. What are they, number nine right now? Number nine Mm -hmm. coming into this week. Duke has lost four games by a combined nine points. Duke being number nine and Auburn being number two and Gonzaga being number one, Duke beat Gonzaga. None of that means anything. You know why? Because there's something called the NCAA tournament and it's a battle royale of 68 teams and you can get upset on any given day and it didn't matter that you were the number one team in the country. This is a tournament of 68 teams, whereas in college football, your ranking does matter more, right? Because only four teams right now make the college football playoff, right? And so the rankings matter because that's how champions in the field of champions, potential champions, is determined. Whereas the AP Top 25 only plays a small role, and it's a minuscule role in college basketball. People understand what I'm saying here. The target now has to shift from... Auburn's focus and Auburn fan base's focus on the rankings to now Auburn winning the regular season championship and the regular season championship Auburn not having to share it right Auburn had to share it the last time they had to share it with Tennessee made you grit your teeth makes you grit your teeth a little bit right you don't want to have to share with Kentucky because they'll never let you hear the end of it there has been a neck and neck rivalry this year. This has probably been the most heated that we've seen the Auburn Kentucky rivalry between the two fan bases, between the media personalities. There's been a lot of intensity and a lot of focus and magnitude on the Auburn Kentucky rivalry this year. And it's kind of crazy to call that a rivalry because historically the two are not in the same sentence. But this year they are in the same sentence, they are in the same breath. If anything, it's fair to talk about Auburn without Kentucky in the national landscape this year and for a long time it has been talked about that way and that irked Kentucky folks right and now Kentucky has gotten back into that equation you don't want to have to share with Kentucky at the end potentially your best season ever from a from a record standpoint potentially your best season ever and if you take one more loss and Kentucky doesn't well then you had to share the regular season championship when most years two losses wins it outright most years three could win it outright this year in the most difficult year ever that I can remember in SEC basketball the deepest that I've seen the conference in recent memory in the last decade you've got two top four teams in the SEC and two losses may not win it outright which is crazy 
there's still pressure here. I, I talked about the pimple of pressure Ugh. last week. I know a lot of people are like, Ugh. Ugh, but it's a good it's a good analogy because pimples hurt, right? And they and they get larger and larger over time, right? Get on with it. Auburn popped that when, or at least we thought they could have popped that when they lost when they were the number one team on Tuesday night. That I don't think is actually true. Now that we've thought about it a little bit, a little bit more, Kentucky continues to put pressure on Auburn. Now, what's truly important is winning the regular season championship outright. And Kentucky, while they continue to win, they are putting an extreme amount of pressure on Auburn. And I'm going to be real: any college basketball, it's college basketball. Anybody can lose on any given night. Tonight is probably the best chance for Kentucky to lose that they've had in quite some time. And if they don't lose tonight, despite the fact that the next three games are against some good basketball teams in the scope of the SEC, they are not good matchups for those teams against Kentucky. I don't see Alabama, LSU, or Arkansas, three teams that have struggled from an offensive efficiency standpoint, struggled from a shooting standpoint, struggled from a field goal percentage perspective. I don't see any of those three teams truly challenging Kentucky, especially when, correct me if I'm wrong, I think two of those three games are in Rupp Arena. Alabama's yeah. not going to beat Kentucky and Rupp, and LSU's not going to beat Kentucky and Rupp. And I think the other game for Kentucky in that mix is at Arkansas. And sure, if Kentucky doesn't bring it offensively in that game, Arkansas can do it. They beat Auburn, right? But I think those are bad matchups for those three teams against Kentucky, who has not taken any nights off from an offensive standpoint that has truly been one of the most complete teams offensively this year and if they don't lose tonight I don't know if we see Kentucky lose again in the regular season whereas Auburn you can look down the stretch and if they continue to play the way that they are on the offensive end if they continue to shoot and miss 22 24 threes a game they continue to play like that you can see them losing you can see them lose to Tennessee you could see them I, I could see them lose this Saturday to Florida I could see them lose at Mississippi State those types of games don't shake out well for Auburn if they continue to play the way that they are I don't think Auburn loses more than one more game this regular season honestly I don't think Auburn should lose another game this regular season I think Auburn's that good you just have to continue to ask yourself when is Auburn going to get out of this funk that they're in right now from an offensive standpoint well I mean let's just be honest Kentucky's playing better basketball than Auburn is right now and of course the ranking doesn't show it Auburn's two and Kentucky is four but Kentucky is playing better basketball than Auburn right now. If the two teams I think were, Tennessee is too. Yeah, and they very well could be. Tonight's going to be a, a major showdown in Tennessee, in Knoxville, where Kentucky comes to town. And I agree. I think tonight is the last chance for Kentucky to lose in the regular season because you were mentioning their schedule. They play at Tennessee tonight. This is for Kentucky now. They play at Tennessee tonight. Then they're at home against Alabama on Saturday, which they'll they'll beat Alabama by double digits, I think, at, in Rupp Arena. Home for LSU at Arkansas, home for Ole Miss, and then they finish up at Florida. I mean, the only two games I see that could be potential struggle for Kentucky is at Tennessee and at Arkansas, but I think they match up a, a lot better against Arkansas than Auburn did. And I think as long as Kentucky gets through tonight, they're going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. If you pull up Joe Lodardi's bracketology updated from today, Kentucky is that final four or that final number one seed in the tournament. I think they're playing some of the best basketball in the country. Now, if you look at Auburn, Auburn still has a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. They're the second overall seed, of course, being the number two team in the country. 
but they've got to get they've got to be wow they've got to get to be playing better basketball because they're just not playing to their potential right now we know what they can be and it's scary because we haven't even seen it yet for the and I've been saying this for weeks now that Auburn is not playing their best basketball there's another notch for Auburn to get to the question is and I said this yesterday Kentucky Arizona Teams like that that have been slowly trying to creep back into the same sentence, the same breath, Kansas. if you will, Kansas as Auburn, those teams have been having to get better to get into the same conversation as Auburn and Gonzaga, right? Well, we know that Auburn can hit another notch. Can those other teams hit another notch? And I think a few of them can. I think Kentucky could get better than where they're at i think they're going to need some better guard play is that possible for them to get to that point i think severe wheeler and ty ty washington are good right but are they able to be great when the tournament time rolls around i think duke is a team right now that i look at outside the top five that's not getting enough respect of course they have played in a weak acc this year and they've taken four losses but i go back to the point they've only lost by a combined nine points that's wild. in those four games that tells you this Duke team is really, really talented, and it's taken a lot to just edge them out. They beat Gonzaga earlier this year. We know at Duke's best, they're able to beat anybody in college basketball. And a lot's happened since the non-conference schedule, but I think when you look inside the top 10, this thing's wide open right now, and a few of these teams have been having to get better to where they're at right now, to where we can say it's wide open, but a few of these other teams have been a little dormant recently like in Auburn what happens when they hit their next their next notch heading towards March that could help Auburn really set aside itself as one of the favorites to win the national championship that's my take on the national scape right now what did it tell you about the national perception of Auburn that they only dropped to number two in this week's rankings I think it's exactly what we're talking about of how good this team can be people respect them they're paying attention to them people are watching Auburn when they're playing basketball and and Auburn only being number two and of course Purdue's struggled this week helped them to do that to hold on to the number two I thought they were going to be the third ranked team in the AP poll you thought they were going to be behind Arizona I did yes. I thought there was potential for them to be behind Kentucky and be fourth I, I would have been livid that would have not been okay but Kentucky's right there I think that's the only thing holding Kentucky back from being above Auburn is Auburn beating Kentucky but hey I'll tell you what right now if the game tonight was it was Auburn traveling to Rupp Arena I think Auburn loses tonight if they played that game right now but despite all of that I think Auburn still being the number two team in the country it shows the respect that the voters have for Auburn how good this team can be and how they're Two losses have been in overtime and double overtime against UConn back in, in November. But a tough overtime loss on the road at Arkansas, I think the voters see how important that is and how tough of a loss that is. It's not like Auburn went. And now if Auburn would have lost that Missouri game or something like that, I think they could have dropped a lot more. But the voters respect Auburn, and they understand how good this team still is. And even when they're not playing good basketball, we talked about it yesterday, they're still winning by double digits. So I think there's a lot of potential for this team, and I think if they can hit that next level like we are talking about, like everybody knows that they can hit, they will be one of the unstoppable teams in March. And I think they have that chance to get there. But if you have an opinion that you're listening in, call into the show here on the line, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear your opinion on what how you feel about Auburn basketball right now. I think what it tells me 
and I'm comparing Arizona to Auburn right now, I've heard just some small little chirps, just a little bit. You get out on social media, I follow a lot of college basketball folks out there. There's a little bit of the woe is me Pac-12 narrative, you know, that trickles into football. It's present in basketball this year, just at a smaller scale, because basketball is smaller in Americans' view of, of how you you know the status of these sports the hierarchy mm-hmm. of these sports right so it's not as loud but in the college basketball sphere there is that woe is me why do why do why does everybody hate the pac-12 but when you look at arizona's resume yeah the fact that auburn is still number two in the rankings tells you that people are not being fooled by these pac-12 teams you look at the pac-12 presence at the ap top 25 three is arizona usc is 17 where's ucla 13 17 and 5 usc's 21 and 4 and they're all the way down there four lost teams are inside the top 10 man and usc's over here at 17 ucla's five loss and they're you know well outside the top 10 those are two teams that were supposed to be the pride and joy of the conference and they haven't ended up really being that good and the pac-12 has ended up being awful and they're not getting a lot of respect in bracketologies whether it be joe lenardi or fox's bracketology or cbs's they're not getting a lot of respect and when you look at the ap top 25 and folks having arizona behind auburn i've seen some folks out west grumbling about it but just look at the resume for arizona their best wins are against once again a ucla team that's ranked 13th right now and a usc team that's ranked 17th and that usc team will not be ranked by the end of the year because you know where their last two games are against arizona and at ucla so I, I assume that they would lose those two games. I don't know how USC is ranked right now. They don't have any good wins. Their only good win is UCLA. That's it. In non-conference play, Arizona does have a four-point win over Illinois that has definitely come along here since they've entered into conference play. Illinois ranked 12th right now at 18-6, and six, so that looks good. The other two games that they played against good competition in non-conference play, they beat a so-so Michigan team by 18, and then they lost to Tennessee by four. And Tennessee offensively had not hit a good place yet at that time of the year. The Tennessee team that they played in December is worse than the Tennessee team that they could play now, right? And so when I've looked at Arizona's resume and you compare it to Auburn's, it makes a lot of sense that Auburn should still be the number two team in the country. And college basketball's rankings are different than college football's rankings. Sure, when someone loses, they're going to drop, but you've also, you play two games a week, right? So a lot of times, you know, in football, in football, you lose a game, you only played one game, right? So you're dropping. In basketball, you can split and go 1-1 like Auburn did this past week. And Arizona may have gone 2-0, like I said, but there's a little bit more of the resume and the entire picture that is involved in the AP Top 25 for college basketball. And Auburn being right now at number two in these rankings shows you that the national perspective of Auburn is that they are one of the national championship contenders, that they are one of the top two teams in the country. And just because they took one loss, did it shake that? from their view now gonzaga i think is playing the best basketball in the country right now and if you want to say that they play in high school gymnasiums every other night when they're playing teams like pacific (laughs) and whatnot when you want to say that fine they do have a terrible schedule but the reality is this team has shown up more and more as mark few's tenure has gone on they have been better in march than they were the first half of the last decade over the last five years they've made a national championship twice right this or last six years six tournaments or something like that they made the national championship twice this is a team that could still do damage in march just because they've played subpar competition of the wcc 
maybe it does soften them up a little bit when it gets to be the NCAA tournament. That is irrelevant to me right now. I'm not using the AP Top 25 to predict what's going to happen a month from now. It is the current snapshot in college basketball at this moment. And when you look at Gonzaga up to this point and where they're at right now, I think they are playing the best basketball in the country. Auburn is playing, you know, not their best basketball at this point. But once again, when you factor in the resume, Auburn definitely has a claim to be the number one team in the country from a resume perspective. But I will give the edge to Gonzaga right now by how they're playing. If Auburn played Gonzaga tonight on a neutral floor i would not feel great with the way that auburn's playing right now and the biggest my biggest thing before we head to break the ap poll does not matter okay it's fun to look at and it was fun when auburn was number one but here's the biggest factor the eye test college basketball is the biggest thing is the eye test how do you look when you're playing basketball i don't care who you're playing i always i give gonzaga it does factor into a resume i I test I give Gonzaga crap for who they play, but they look good doing it, and they've got some studs on their team. Same thing for Auburn. When you watch them play, they do not look good right now, but yet they're still winning. Eye test is the biggest thing for me right now when it comes to college basketball. Let's take a break here on the line. Wrapping up hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we get out of here for hour number one, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The 2022 Winter Olympics continue on NBC from 7 to 10.30 p.m. with figure skating, bobsled, speed skating, alpine skiing, and more. More quarterfinals of Jeopardy! National College Championship on ABC at 7. Movie selection for tonight, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies is on AMC at 6. Tonight's college basketball schedule is loaded up with plenty of top 25 action at the 6 p.m. time slot. Number 9, Duke hosts Wake Forest on ESPN, number 20 Texas is at Oklahoma on ESPN2. At the SEC, it's South Carolina at Ole Miss on ESPNU and Florida at Texas A&M on SEC Network. At 7.30, Minnesota is at number 18 Ohio State on Big Ten Network. 8 p.m. time slot, the headliner. Number 4, Kentucky at number 16 Tennessee on ESPN. Number 15, Wisconsin is at Indiana on ESPN2. Number 23, Arkansas and Missouri play on SEC Network. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. And that was what's on TV tonight. Noah Gardner and Jacob Goins back with you live on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got about two minutes left here in hour number one. Phone lines are open for the entire show, so if you got something you want to call in about, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We are taking your calls on anything in the sports world all show long. As we wrap up hour number one here, Jacob, let's talk about what happened in college basketball last night. It's been college basketball heavy over the last two segments what happened yesterday evening and what was a little bit lighter of a big monday maybe it was uh middleweight monday if you will <laughs> yeah hey first of all i'm okay if we want to be college basketball heavy because i love college basketball it's that time of year it's the it's way to that go. time of year but virginia virginia tech that was a big game in the acc not because it was ranked but virginia losing that basketball game last night may have knocked themselves out of the ncaa tournament talk because they're 16 and 10 and 
Virginia Tech's also 16 and 10. And Virginia's just not that great this year. They got some wins on the non-con schedule, but they've struggled in conference. And so the offense was, isn't good enough. It's just not good enough. Defense, yeah. it's still there. Yeah. It's still not as good of a pack line defense as they typically have. But, but they scored 53 points last year. Yeah, night. that's you, not going to do You can't do that. So I think Virginia may have played themselves right out of the NCAA tournament. And then the other big game from last night, number six, Kansas, hosting Oklahoma State. A team that we talked about, Oklahoma State can be that thorn in your side when they want to be but last night wasn't the case kansas got it done at home 76 to 62 i think they're hitting their stride at the right time a bubble result from last night oregon continues to strengthen to strengthen their case 62 to 59 win against washington state that's the result that i was going to bring up that's it for hour number one of on the line we'll be back with hour number two coming up at 3 p.m are on the line live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well out there. Hope everybody's having a blessed Tuesday afternoon. Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins with you. Phone lines are open for the entire show, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind, we will talk about it with you. It's been a fun hour number one, Jacob. Anybody can find the podcast wherever they get their podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast if you miss the first hour or any segment of the show just look it up it's there every day let's start off hour number two with making headlines making headlines all right starting off hour number two with making headlines as we do most days burt watts the top headline today i think auburn related we always try and have an auburn related headline in there burt watts is on his way to the denver broncos for the same position he's dropping special teams coordinator he's staying as outside linebackers coach headed to denver leaving auburn staff sixth assistant to leave this offseason he's taking a promotion taking a better job and that's not that's not a knock against auburn the dude's moving from the college level to the pro level and i think that's what most coaches seek to do especially you know assistant coaches in his position i think that's what they seek to do it's it is an easier job not saying the job itself is easy but you don't have to recruit in the nfl you don't have to work it's all with, about coaching technique and developing players you don't have at to that work, position exactly you don't have to work with college kids you working with grown men trying to play football and win a super bowl so i think the dude's taking a better job he's taking a promotion he said so in his farewell speech so good for him i hope him nothing but success that's right of course this does beg the question or beg a few questions for Auburn moving forward of course we asked this one yesterday when's everything gonna settle down I don't I mean I and we talked about it yesterday I guess when they just start playing football I mean but we talked about it in the first hour they've still got the offensive coordinator to fill and we believe that it's going to be filled from within which means they're going to have to replace that position plus this outside linebacker position of the coach so Auburn still has some coaching vacancies that they have to fill and they've got to get them filled fast because spring ball is right around the corner. A day is in April. It's a month and a half away. So, or maybe two months, whatever the date on that is. But it's I like think, the yeah. second weekend of April. Yeah. So we're probably looking at two months away. 
Um, I think that's when it will finally, hopefully, slow down for Auburn football in this program. It's just when they get on the field and just start playing and practicing and developing and figuring out who who is this team going to be and then who in the world is going to play quarterback for this football team. This was a question reserved for our first segment of the show that we didn't get to and we didn't talk about yesterday. What is the opportunity in the 2022 season for Auburn? What can Auburn do when you're looking at the schedule and we've discussed this a little bit over the last couple of weeks but I it is my contingency it is my point that Auburn can have a successful season next year should have had a successful season this year barring some injuries and I think next year there's the same type of opportunity if not an easier schedule I believe looking at 2022 we'll look at that schedule now they open up with five straight home games against mercer san jose state penn state missouri and lsu after that they're at georgia and old miss they'll take a bye week have arkansas at home at mississippi state they'll host texas a&m and western kentucky and then they'll wrap up with the iron ball and bryant denny what sticks out to me about this schedule and why i think this schedule is easier than last year's regardless the commonality the common denominator on an Auburn football schedule right now and let's just be honest a lot of us do this we come into the year saying there are two losses when your two biggest rivals have played in the national championship multiple times in the last four years it's fair to be like that right now that doesn't necessarily mean that Auburn's going to lose to those teams but just when you're trying to estimate a probable win-loss total right you're probably going to see those games as losses on the schedule just being honest so alabama georgia are those two whether it's home or away you would probably have those two as losses so let's exclude those you got two losses right there let's exclude those and look at the other 10 and i looking at this schedule i know people are like well you gotta play georgia and alabama on the road yeah but you get your 50 50 games at home you get lsu you get texas a&m you get arkansas you get those games at home you get penn state at home so that's the first point that i've tried to make to people when i look at the schedule why i think it was easier than last year's is sure there's a run of games in the middle of the season when you got to play lsu georgia ole miss and arkansas that looks really difficult right it's the sec this is the reality but this schedule to me looks easier than last year's because now all of a sudden teams that you know you can beat that are probably still in your sphere from a talent perspective your lsu your texas a&m your arkansas you can win those games at home you won two of those games on the road last year why can't you win all three of those games at home and granted this a and team it's hard to peg right now I think they upgraded at quarterback from Zach Calzada with Max Johnson coming in that's going to make this A&M team a lot better granted they've also lost a lot of players that were surrounding the quarterback position that helped them to get to eight wins so A&M does it net out at zero I know they just signed the number one recruiting class historically ever according to 24 7 sports but those guys are also babies they're freshmen right like they, they are not ready to make that degree of an impact AM's going to be deeper than they normally are with that style of a recruiting class but as far as starters are concerned is texas a&m going to be much better than they were last year i think that's hard to peg right now they're probably better with max johnson at quarterback i would imagine pairing him up with jimbo is going to help get them to nine maybe 10 wins when you look at the way that the sec west looks like right now so say you lose to texas a&m you beat lsu and arkansas on the road last year i don't see either of those teams getting much better you're now taking Traylon burks out of the equation for kj jefferson what is he as a passer without Traylon burks what is he going to look like without his number one target next year 
this Arkansas team from a recruiting standpoint is still behind Auburn even with Auburn struggles from a talent perspective I still like Auburn at home and I like LSU as a home win as well considering all the players that have left that program and all of the uncertainty there sure Brian Kelly may be a better head coach than Brian Harson. I would imagine most people would agree with that statement but does he have the players in the LSU program at a position where it needs to be at to be successful I'm sure he needs a few transfers to get them elevated back up it might be a rough first year for Brian Kelly and if you looked at him at Notre Dame there were a few of those I think the biggest thing to point out on Auburn's schedule take away the Georgia and Alabama road games because like you said, at the, the state of all three of those programs, those are losses for Auburn. And that it's not okay, but and Auburn may win. You know, they had a chance they this They may pull an year. upset. They very well might. But just speaking, you know, from the head, from the brain. From an estimation yes, standpoint for from, next year. Yeah, from a professional standpoint, right? Um, those are losses just looking at the schedule at first glance. So if you take those away, Auburn only has two other road games and that's the Mississippi schools at Ole Miss, bye week, home for Arkansas, and then at Mississippi State. Everything else is at home for Auburn. All their big games, besides the two big ones, obviously, are at home. Penn State at home, LSU at home, Arkansas at home, Texas A&M at home. All of those are winnable football games because you're at Jordan-Hare. I would say Penn State, LSU, and Arkansas – they, those need to be wins for Auburn. And then the Texas A&M game, like you said, we don't know what Texas A&M is going to be. Missouri has to be a win as well. Missouri's got to be a win as well. Yeah, I missed that one. I think I think all of the home games besides Texas A&M have for to Auburn, be a win. they have to be wins. And the Texas A&M, depending on what these two teams look like on November 12th or you know the week before, that may, that may be a scenario where you say, yeah, Auburn should win this football game if Texas A&M is not playing to the level that they can get to. So you talk about the home schedule. That'll put you at 7-1 and one right there. If you just look at the home schedule and you take that A&M game as a loss, that'll put you at 7-1, and one, right? And then you've got two road games that you have to contend with, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which we've talked about this a time or two from a recruiting standpoint. Those two programs are still behind Auburn. Now, the transfer portal, Ole Miss has done some work. Mississippi State, though? That's a winnable game on the road, right? Auburn is in a place on their roster still right now, even with the struggles they have had recruiting the last two years, where I still believe they're in a better place from a roster standpoint than Mississippi State, and they can win that game on the road, whether it's at home or on the road. Auburn should be favored going into that football game on November 5th. The Ole Miss game is the one that I throw into question, but even if you watch this year, Auburn handled that game. They won by double digits, right? Yeah, you have to beat Ole Miss more times than not. But say Auburn loses to Ole Miss. So let's split them. Let's say they lose to Ole Miss and they beat Mississippi State. They finished 8-4. And And that's what we've been talking about. I think an eight-win season will let Harson and this program survive. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be rolling Toomer's corner after an 8-4 season. But it's also got to look good, and that's a I huge mean, thing as well. winning seven home games, a lot of rolling tumors corner. Fair, yeah, fair enough. And that's and that's why I think this schedule can play into the favor of Brian Harson and Auburn because and if you, you win so nine games, games with a bowl game, You're then cooking. you've got. Th- th- remember what we talked about last week when we said we probably wouldn't have been having the Brian Harson discussion last week if he had beaten Houston. There's probably there's probably a little bit more of a positive mojo and you're one of these people that says that bowl games doesn't matter and you know I've got beef with that. <laughs> uh, we've talked about this a lot. You're one of those people that say bowl games don't matter but they do matter because imagine if Auburn had won that game we're probably not having the same discussion that we were having about Brian Harson, or at least I don't think it's to the degree that it is. And there's probably more positive mojo. You win 
your final game of the season football is unique you can win the last game of the season and still not be a champion whereas in every other sport every other team except for one finishes their season with a loss and there's disappointment at the end for auburn they can win their bowl game next year finish nine and four and people can be positive about the trajectory of the program and it can help this coaching staff further sell their points in what is going to be a crucial recruiting cycle of 2023 and how much talent there is in the state of Alabama winning is going to cure the issues right now surrounding the Auburn football program if they can win it helps them sell their football mentality their hard-nosed mentality if they win if they don't then that is a that is a near impossible sell with the approach that I think we've seen from this football program up to this point well I've said it since day one winning cures all I mean if it doesn't matter what's going on if Auburn is winning nobody's going to complain and you can say that about the Houston game but you could say that about four or five of the games last year on Auburn's schedule if Auburn wins that game at Penn State I think we don't have this conversation as much I think if Auburn I gets know, that if you still win, had the five game losing streak we probably are yeah but you'd still Auburn be finished just seven you'd and still six be seven and six that's a winning season it's not pretty but it's a winning season and you could say of course about you know penn state mississippi state alabama those types of games if the bleeding stopped at some point at some point and it's not just the houston game it's any of those games that you sit back and you're like the south carolina game are you kidding me like come on man that's there's so many other games we could say that about the bleeding stopped at some point then but it just never did this conversation we've been bleeding into the offseason and i'm not coming at you i'm just saying you could say that about literally four or five games from the from the last season so yeah i i agree but if our you know if we just take it and look at it from a statistical standpoint auburn should go eight and four next year with the schedule that they have and with room to maybe pick up should that have gone at least win. eight and four this year they should have exactly and so if they don't do it next year if auburn has only six or seven wins it, it, harson will probably be gone or out the door quickly because with that schedule five straight home games besides the two tough ones on the road you've only have two other road games that are winnable you've got to be able to win those games i don't care if you're auburn you've got to win those games Number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Our question to you today is, what will it take for you to deem next football season? Like, what has to happen next football season for you to feel like this program is heading in the right direction? That's my question to everybody. We'll address our answer to that later on in the show. But right now, we're going to keep going with making headlines Um, there's not a whole lot going on in the sports world right now from a headline perspective so I'm going to make up a headline and it's an NFL headline and I'm going to ask you about this this is a question that I have here making headlines Cincinnati Bengals lose the Super Bowl 23 to 20 there's the fabled Super Bowl hangover the Bengals go from worst to first what's the chances that they go from first to worst next year they will not be the worst. I think they are still going to in be in their able division. To, I mean, AFC yeah, North. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was asking, or that's what I was saying. Um, no, I I think the Bengals have a legit shot to win the AFC North again, and I think they have a chance to not barely get into the playoffs. I think they have a legitimate chance to win the AFC North if they get some help through the draft. I mean, everybody talks about it when they've leading up to this game and all through the playoffs for the Bengals. They've got to get some offensive linemen. Man, Joe Burrow cannot get sacked between seven and ten times in a game and expect the the franchise and you probably can attract some of those offensive linemen of the offseason because they're going to want to play for joe burrow exactly and so no i don't think will there be a slight hangover eh, maybe but i don't think it's going to be 
they make the Super Bowl this year and then they're going to miss the playoffs altogether next year. I really do think that the Cincinnati Bengals team is going to be a, a force to be reckoned with within the next five to seven seasons. Now, I'm not saying they, they're going to make the Super Bowl and they may very well miss the playoffs, but I don't predict that happening right now as long as they get Joe Burrow some help. This Cincinnati Bengals team, I don't uh, right now. If I had to, you know, rank the AFC North teams, I'm not as bullish on the Bengals as everybody else is, and I and I'm not because I'm a Browns fan, and I know that the Browns were 11 and five two years ago, made the playoffs, roster looked sexy, got some great players coming into this year, and I know what happened. They finished eight and nine, barely missed the playoffs. If you followed the AFC North race, it was that tight. When they played the Raiders and half the team caught COVID, if the Browns had won that game, they're at the top of the division. If they lose it, they're last. And that's what happened, right? Browns ultimately finished 8-9. They finished third in the division, right? And they, honestly, from top to bottom, looking at the roster going into the season, probably were the most complete roster in the AFC North. You would not have disagreed with that statement if I said that back in September. No, I yeah. Exactly. So the direction that I want to go with AFC North now is Pittsburgh is still going to be just as good around the quarterback position as they were this past year the question is can they find someone that is somewhat on the same playing field as Ben Roethlisberger who was not very good which does this past I was about year. to say does not take much if no Teddy Bridgewater to ben, is the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2021 does the Pittsburgh Steelers still go nine seven and one uh eh, probably exactly or not that much worse if they do much worse so the point that i'm trying to make here and the Steelers are probably the worst team in the division right now going into this offseason with ben roethlisberger leaving right and they still finish second at 971 they're still going to be a tough team to play next year regardless of who they get to play quarterback the browns have pretty much their entire 2021 roster coming back with the exception of odell beckham jr who is now a ram which many people in the cleveland sphere would say that is not a bad thing that he is no longer with the Cleveland organization. I know he's been good for the Rams, but he was not good with the Browns. There was a pressure there with the Browns organization. The Browns still go 8-9. and nine. In the division, they were 3-3. Three and three. They beat the Bengals twice this past year. You look at the Ravens. They had the second-best point differential in the division and finished last. They, yeah. went on, they were at one point 8-3, lost their last six games of the regular season. And we saw the amount of injuries that mounted for the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt at the end, do the Ravens still make the playoffs? Yeah, very, they very well could have. And if he makes the playoffs, do the Bengals make the playoffs as a wild card team? Yes, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of hypotheticals, but exactly. So, like when I break down this division and you see how tough it is, and I and I brought up the Browns from last year, and Colin Coward made a great point about this on his show. It, it, maybe not one hit wonders, but there are a lot of teams that maybe have you know a great year, have a good looking roster. The next year, you're going to have three or four teams trade out of the playoffs every year. And with the Bengals having a 10-7 season, they still have some massive roster holes. Is that defense going to be as good next year? Are teams going to, dis- you know, are teams going to discover how to pick apart this team now that they've gotten good? There's always going to be a counter, right? There's always going to be the counter poison. There's always going to be the antidote. And I think the Bengals have a better shot next year to miss the playoffs than to do better than 10-7. and seven. And that's, this year. and that's fair to say, but that's not just on the Bengals. That's on the NFC North. AFC North. 
that's what I meant, AFC North, gradually getting better as yeah. a division in football because all four teams are in the next five to seven years are going to have a legitimate shot to win the division and make a run in the playoffs. And that's you can't say that about many other divisions in the no. NFL. NFC that's West all, is the only other one you can say NFC that West, about. Exactly. That's the only one. Maybe the AFC West, maybe with the Broncos and the Raiders, because I think the Broncos are going to get really good and start to be better. I think they're one or two pieces away from being something out there. But the AFC North is one of the very few divisions in football over the next five to seven years that you can say all four teams coming into the season have a legitimate shot to win it all. Last headline here for making headlines, James Harden, Paul Millsap, they had their first press conference with the Philadelphia 76ers today. I love Paul Millsap. <laughs> you like him from 2K, man. No, I, I oh, that, really? those Hawks teams that have, yeah. well, yes, that is partially from 2K. 2K4, no, 2K15, 2K16, me with the Atlanta Hawks, unbeatable, undefeated, never lost, <laughs> as LeVar Ball would say. Give me Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, Woo. Kent Bazemore, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford, you're not beating me from those Hawks teams. You're not beating me. I liked I liked those Hawks teams. I'm not a Hawks fan, but I, I do like Paul Millsap in his game. And I think he's been one of the more underrated players of the NBA over the years. That that's that's just a good basketball player. James Harden, on the other hand, great basketball player. I don't know if he's too concerned with winning. I, I, he's not a winner. And you there's literally he's not a winner. And he he's a great basketball player, fantastic player, but he's not a winner. And on the flip side of that, in Brooklyn, now you have Seth Curry going to the Nets. He's starting to play with them. Ben Simmons is now in Brooklyn. And I don't know if he's a winner either, but I don't, I don't like. he still has a lot of his career in front of him. I agree, and I don't think Ben Simmons is that good of a basketball player, if I'm just being completely honest. I, he's a superstar, of course. He plays in the NBA. But I on think that this, level, I just don't see it. It's better fits for each of these two players. Yes. I think James Harden with Joel Embiid is a better fit than Ben Simmons with Joel Embiid because the lane is clogged for Ben Simmons who can't shoot the basketball whereas with James Harden there's versatility there there's going to be more attention inside the arc on a Joel Embiid that's going to open up things on the perimeter for James Harden if you focus more on James Harden then there's Joel Embiid who's got less to contend with inside the arc there's also the pick and roll game there to work with between those two I like that fit I like Ben Simmons with Kevin Durant a lot too and right now Kyrie Irving's not playing every game with the Nets right so it will be Ben Simmons having to be one of the primary ball handlers he will get to do his attack his attacking style at the rim because that's what he's good at right he's good at those types of things Kevin Durant's not going to clog the lane for him because Kevin Durant can step out to the arc Kevin Durant can spread the floor whereas Joel Embiid cannot do that and so I do like the fits for these two players a little bit more than where they were initially at but their mentalities and their approach to the game of basketball and their personalities more times than not there have been volatility inside their organizations revolving around those two players wherever they've been at Ben Simmons has just been in Philly but James Harden has bounced around and we know that Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's coming up in college basketball tonight. It's a loaded schedule. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Just about 35 more minutes left of the Tuesday edition we've been talking we've been talking a lot of different sports in this second hour no we've got a little NBA going on some NFL to top off college basketball and college football I like the diversity we've got going on with the different sports and if you want to call in about anything we've talked about or anything else on your mind going on in the sports world give us a call here on on the line 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we want to hear from you tell us what's on your mind of course tonight college basketball schedule 
is what we're going to take a look at now we've got about five minutes here before we will go to the network break in tonight's college basketball schedule much better than last night's oh yeah and there are a lot of top 25 teams once again back on the road some headliner matchups namely number four kentucky at number 16 tennessee but also in the big east number 10 villanova at number eight providence these are two games we can look at as well as dukes at home against a good wake forest team this year that's a potential tournament team in wake forest number 20 texas is on the road at oklahoma oklahoma has been on the bubble that game's got some serious significance as far as oklahoma trying to re-salvage their ncaa tournament hopes they've had to do that a few times this year and then florida texas a&m and the sec one of those two teams ncaa tournament hopes they die tonight one of those two teams hey you know what game i'm gonna be watching and go ahead tell me what game i'm watching number 22 wyoming at new mexico it's not even televised but good luck (laughs) no find it on something like flow sports flow basketball or something no i'll be watching i'll be watching a lot of different games of course but butler to paul villanova providence man villanova providence number 10 villanova at number eight providence that's a huge game providence has what a two-game lead in the big east you know i love the big east and their basketball and their brand of basketball and that's a big game tonight and villanova four and a half point favorites on the road against providence i don't know man i'm i'm iffy back and forth on this game matchup predictor according to espn has villanova at 73.8 percent chance to win and that's what i was gonna say i think i like villanova in this basketball game not that providence is not good because they are they're playing extremely good basketball and we've also seen at times this villanova team not play good basketball but i think villanova's just the better team i think but we're, we're gonna find out tonight who runs the big east margin of victory for providence over their last five games beat xavier by three beat marquette by two st john's by four georgetown by 19 who hasn't and then depaul by three in overtime and some of those results are better than others of course beating marquette by however much you beat them by that's a good win xavier as well but the other three games are the ones that i focus on right you know providence is a great basketball team but villanova's got some really good looking wins over their last five and and i know they lost to marquette by 10 they then followed that up bouncing back with an 11 point win over uconn who is still ranked they beat seton hall by six there's some good teams mixed in there and i think villanova is the better basketball team between these two this is another one of those teams come march and granted villanova has done this with a little bit more inconsistency than a kansas or a duke villanova is a team that you got to watch out for you don't want to match up with villanova i mean that's just that's just a fact especially in the ncaa tournament villanova is one of those teams that will come in play bully ball they can score 50 points and beat you or they can try and score 75 or 80 and run with you at the same time and they're a top 10 team for the re- for all the right reasons they're playing good basketball they're getting better every game it's something that auburn needs to start doing but this is what good teams do. This is what great teams do. They get better every game starting right now in February. And then, of course, the big matchup of the night, you already mentioned it, number four, Kentucky, on the road at number 16, Tennessee. For Kentucky, this is a must win to keep their hopes alive in the SEC standings race. And for Tennessee, this could launch them into that conversation of getting them to the top of the SEC standings right behind Auburn. This is a big game tonight in Knoxville, and you and I have talked about it we think this may be the best chance for Kentucky to lose again in the regular season. I just don't see Arkansas, Alabama, or LSU putting up enough of an offensive fight, whereas Tennessee, although offensively they have been MIA in some games in conference play, defensively they are so good, especially at home. You talk about the amount of turnovers this team is forcing. Over 17 turnovers a game is what their opponent's 
are coughing up the basketball Sheesh. per night. Now we've played enough of conference play to where, like, if if I left non-conference play and I saw that, I'd be like, okay, that you know that, that that's normal. You you you've got some bad opponents in there. That's normal that you would see that stat. Now that we've played twelve conference games, now you're still seeing that there. You're like, oh, this team's this defense is for real in there at home. This Kentucky team offensively, their guards are going to have a lot of pressure put on them by this Tennessee team that is going to force a lot of turnovers. The question is, offensively, does Tennessee have enough, have enough in the tank to run with this Kentucky team that has been able to score on anybody in college basketball? A bad night for Kentucky is that they score you know, 76 points offensively, right? They're, they're averaging 81.3 points per game, only allowing 64.2 to Tennessee 63.1, so they still haven't been a bad defensive team. You talk about Kentucky's rebounding, 41.2 rebounds per game it's even better when you see what they're doing on paper with opponent rebounds per game they're only allowing opponents to gather in a total of 30.2 rebounds so they're out rebounding opponents by a margin of 11 uh, that that's absurd and, and a lot of that's oscar Sheboy. and i and mean you yep. were talking about this during the break i just don't know if there's a guy in the front court for tennessee that can even that can even play with Oscar Sheboy. There may not be somebody in the country that can play with Oscar Sheboy right now. Auburn did a good job against him when they played, but I think he's just gotten even better as time has gone on. Oscar Sheboy may go for 20 and 20 tonight, 20 points, 20 boards. It's very well, very well could happen. Small backcourt too. That means Tennessee's gonna have to shoot the three well, and that's not necessarily how Rick Barnes coach teams want to operate. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we got 30 minutes left in the show. Back on the line, Noah Gardner, Jacob Goins. Jacob a little bitter about Matthew Stafford. That's okay. That's okay. That's not bitter. It's just being – Got as just, many Super Bowls as Brett Favre. And Aaron Rodgers, if you want to be real. But he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Has man. half the amount of Super Bowls as Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers combined. It doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't. I asked the question Should in the Should Joe break. Flacco be in the Hall of Fame? I'd have to look into it. But out the Come top on, of my we head – know Matthew Stafford I'm, is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. Off the top of my head, No. But I'd have to look at it. But I, for everybody listening, during the break, I asked, because we're watching, we got ESPN on here in the studio, but I asked Noah, I said, should Matthew Stafford be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I said no. He's got the numbers. Does yes. he? Yes. Does he? Isn't he like 12th all-time at passing yards? I don't know. I don't think I think so. if you're 12th all-time at passing yards, you're in the Hall of Fame. Here's the problem, though. And across all sports, Hall of Fame – has been the bar has been lowered so bad in all Hall of Fame for sports. It's not even like a an honor anymore. It's like, oh, you did something halfway decent. Sure, let's go to the Hall of Matthew Fame. Matthew Stafford is twelfth all time in passing yards. Come on, okay, that that's Hall of Fame material. Okay. Unfortunately, Matt Ryan is eighth. Exactly. But so does Matt Ryan belong in the Hall of Fame? I think when you talk about the numbers with Matt Ryan and the longevity that he's been in the game, of course, not winning a Super Bowl hurts you tremendously. But winning but just one Super Bowl doesn't... So Dan, just should Dan Marino be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Matt Ryan's got the numbers, man. Touchdowns. Oh, this is touchdown leaders. Excuse me. Matthew Stafford is not in that mix. Wow. Shocker. But that that doesn't make... That does not make sense. <laughs> I just don't he think... He definitely has more. Why is this just... Okay, that that's not right. Past TDs. It, yeah. Excuse me. That was incorrect. Past mm-hmm. TDs. Matthew Stafford is 12th in past TDs. That's solid. Passing completions, he is 11th. I, I, I mean, 
I when you're top 12 in those man. categories at the, and, and you've got a Super Bowl, you're only saying that because he played in Detroit. Not because you're no, a Packers fan. No. no, not because you're a Packers fan. But if he had, had spent his entire career in L.A., he's in the Hall of Fame. If he spends his whole career in L.A., he's got more than one Super Bowl. But he doesn't. And I'm, I'm not hating on him. I'm just, I like the dude. I'm happy he won a Super Bowl. But just because he goes out and wins a Super Bowl with a stacked team, by the way, winning one Super Bowl and being top 15 it's in passing here nor yards. There. He won it. He won it. He won. I, he I'm won not it. taking that away Shaq from him. Shaq still has a lot more rings than Charles Barkley, and he can make fun of him for it every single time on it, NBA on TNT. You're exactly right. My, <laughs> so it does matter. Yeah, it it does, but it... He's it, a Hall of Famer. Sorry, Packers fan. He's well, a Hall of Famer. He ain't, but that's all right, man. He is a Hall of Famer. Well, to move on from the NFL a little bit and to go back into some Auburn football, we had the discussion earlier about what the 2022 season could hold for this Auburn Tigers football team, and we looked at the schedule and how it is more favorable than it has been in the past when you take away the Georgia and Alabama games on the road. Not that they're not on the schedule, obviously, but those are two games that you can go ahead and, and probably assume that Auburn is going to lose. But we are looking at the schedule, and I like what you've got here for us. Let me ask you this question. How many wins does Auburn have to hit for you to feel like the program is heading in the right direction? I asked Noah that question, and I asked any of our listeners that question. How many wins next year does it take for Auburn to you for you to feel like they're moving in the right direction? Give us a call here on On the Line 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Noah, I ask you that question. Nine with the bowl game. I think they have to win their bowl game for me to be confident, right? And that's kind of the heart of this question are that that that's the heart of the question is are you confident? What what makes you confident in the trajectory of this football program? Winning eight games in the regular season to me would mean losses to Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, and Georgia. Those would be the four that I would say. And I think there's potential to win at Ole Miss next year too. Uh, so, so you could win nine regular season games, potentially ten with a bowl game. That's just me looking at it on paper right now. Now, a lot of people out there are like, "How?" You know, and that, and that, I, I, I understand that sentiment. I'm saying this is the potential. That is the opportunity, right? This is the bar that I would want to see Auburn get to. It's just as likely that Auburn goes five and seven next year, especially if they don't get more talent in the offensive room. If they don't get a receiver, if they don't get some offensive linemen, if they can't get some reinforcements on that side of the football, it may not be a bowl game next year. And I said that after the after the Houston loss. I I, I did. You got to go out there and get some players or at least develop what you got on the team. And I think there's probably some level of confidence with this coaching staff with the players that they've got. I just think that you also it's easy to recognize that you need to go out and get some players from the transfer portal from the outside everybody everybody's saying that and i I think there's some truth to that but for me for me to be confident i want to see nine and four i I want that bowl win because i'm gonna if they lose the bowl game i'm I'm gonna be like disappointed going into the offseason i'm be like okay they had a pretty good year they still lost five games are we certain after what we've seen through the first two years that this is going to be better than what Auburn had with Gus Malzahn? There's been an incredible amount of turbulence in the program over the last two years. Is this enough to get recruiting up, right? Like, is recruiting still going to be 18th? I'm going to be ha- I'm going to be feeling the exact same way that I do right now, right? I- I'll be feeling a little bit better, but I don't know if I'll necessarily be able to say, yeah, this thing's headed in the right direction. It will have been better 
than what we experienced in 2021 but will it have been enough of an improvement for me to be like yeah everything's going to be good in 2023 when there is a mass exodus of players on the offensive side of the football your last few receivers that you've got your offensive line's gone right you're losing a lot on offense and you're losing all your top playmakers on defense 2023 is a total retooling of the football team everything is going to look drastically different in 2023 and i think you hit it right on my my prediction or not my prediction but what i think auburn has to do next year the football team for me to feel like you said confident in the team heading into the 2023 season i need eight and four with the bowl game win i i agree with you 100 so nine wins nine wins yes i need eight and four in the regular season and a bowl game win because when you look at the schedule yes it's favorable yes there are some winnable games on that but schedule, you gotta win them but you gotta win them and not only win them you gotta look good doing it and i hate to be that guy and to say it like that but we've got to see some changes from this team and i think we saw that last year when auburn was six and two we were like wow this team is winning games they look different than what we had looked like and i think and at that point auburn fans felt pretty good but I think we're going to have to get back to feeling that way with this football team. And Auburn has a lot of home games that should be wins. But when we broke down the schedule, we gave them every home game and we gave it to them as a win. But when was with the, the exceptional one? We didn't give them the AM game. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So seven but, and one. But we said it was a winnable game. But when was the last time Auburn went undefeated at home in a regular season? It's been a couple years. I mean, let's just be honest. Auburn. It has been a couple years since Auburn has won every home game on their schedule, and we and Auburn fans like to claim that Jordan Hare is one of the hardest places to play, and it can be. But teams have come into Jordan Hare the last three or four years, and they've beaten Auburn on their home turf. And so those games have to be wins for Auburn because you've got to defend home field. And with the teams that are coming to Jordan-Hare, Penn State, Missouri, LSU, Arkansas, and Texas A&M, and besides the, you know, the quote-unquote cupcake games, those are just the SEC games, and the one out of conference Penn State, those got to be wins. Besides Texas A&M, depending on how they look and how they're playing by the time November rolls around, but those have got to be wins if you're Auburn. So no, I want 8-4 and four in the regular season with a good bowl game win because if Auburn doesn't get eight and four in the regular season and they skimp into a bowl game and lose it like they did this year it's going to be nasty and if Auburn doesn't make a bowl game at all oh boy you better watch out well I don't think he's here in 2023 if he doesn't make a bowl game and then the transfer portal is going to be even more important for the next head coach to be able to get things back to where it needs to be at 2023 year olds we're in the dark ages of Auburn football in 2023 because they'll find that money <laughs> man they'll find that money to get him out of here but here's the thing though if we if we know that and we are saying that don't you think he knows that too brian harson he knows what's at stake he knows what he's got to do with this football team so we've been saying it a lot got to give him some time but no if he misses the ball game next year it doesn't have time let's just be real there's got to be immediate signs of improvement and that's where the heart of this question is is what does Auburn have to do next year? What does Auburn have to hit as far as a win total for you to feel like the program is heading in the right direction going into the 2023 offseason? I know we're talking about a year and a half from now, but we want to hear from you about it. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. What is that win total for you? Talking about some college basketball right now. 
Uh, actually, let's switch to something else. I meant to hit this earlier, but we didn't get to it, and this is going to keep us, you know, trying to get some folks to call in on the show, give their thoughts on some things. On the line Q&A. This is a segment that I want to start. It's a mailbag segment. We want people to call in. This is our chance to open it up for you. Anything that you've got a question about in the sports world, hit us up for On the Line Q&A. We're going to try and do this every single show, and that means Jacob and I are going to come up with questions for each other today. Every day we're going to do that, but also we welcome your questions. And so I want you to think of a question. I'm going to ask you a question here first to get you to answer it. Potential candidates at offensive coordinator at Auburn. We talked about this about an hour ago, as well as what do you think Auburn's looking for at the position? I know that we've talked about an internal move, but if it is an internal move at offensive coordinator, let's switch that to quarterbacks coach. What type of coach? Because Auburn's going to hire a coach on offense from the outside. Somebody there is still a vacancy, regardless if you promote somebody at OC, you still have to go and get a quarterbacks coach at that point. So. My question to you is, what do you think they're looking for? They're looking for a winner, man. They're looking for a guy that fits the narrative of Brian Harson and his current coaching staff, which is come in, we're going to work and work hard, and we're going to earn this thing, get better every day, and make this football program into something that people should be afraid of. And so whether it's the offensive coordinator or the quarterback's coach, I think they're going to look for somebody that's a winner and can develop people because I really do believe that Harson and this staff – is going to focus on developing players a lot more than we saw under the Gus Malzahn era. And that's just the difference in coaching. But we saw it last year during the season. Players and the team get better throughout the year and from game to game until the, you know, obviously the five game stretch or whatever. But there were still spurts where we saw this team get better. So when you're looking at a higher for offensive coordinator or for a quarterbacks coach if they do end up promoting within i think they're looking for a winner a dog and a guy that's going to try to build these guys up and get them better throughout the year all right man hit me up with one of the questions so let's go back to auburn basketball okay if auburn wins out they've got six games left if auburn basketball wins out should they get the number one overall seed in the ncaa tournament they are number two right Zaga, but if they went out should they get that number one overall seed i think they should and here's my reasoning for that now granted i've said over today's show over this week that i do believe gonzaga deserves to be the number one team in college basketball the ap top 25 but that's the ap top 25 which i believe to be a current snapshot of where things are at right now in college basketball and when you lose a game it's going to drop you typically it's going to drop you a spot in the rankings that's just inherently how the rankings work. Is that right? Probably not. I would like to see everybody rank teams 1 through 25, kind of partially with the heart that Jesse Newell does, but also with Uh-oh. the heart. No, but he does it based off of metrics, right? Right. And that's what's got everybody upset about it. But he's genuinely ranking these teams based off of who he thinks are the best teams in college basketball. I think that should be how we do rankings. We should rank teams based off genuinely how we believe they are compared to other teams unfortunately and the eye test bakes into that also think statistics bake into that also think results bake into that some of those things some voters disregard jesse newell kind of to a degree doesn't weigh in head-to-head results that much right that's why Auburn's ranked number five in his rankings and has been behind kentucky some right even though they beat kentucky so like i wish all those things would bake into it but the reality of the rankings are that Auburn lost and that means people are going to drop them so I understand Auburn being number two in this year's uh, in this week's AP Top 25 poll. But when it gets to March Madness, when it gets to the committee ranking teams, 
1 through 68. That's how they do this. They rank the teams. It's a scrubbing process. They rank teams 1 through 68 on their sheet of paper, and that's how they've got teams getting in, right? And then they try and match them up with drive distance and things like that and try and match them up to some good locations. You can't convince me that if Auburn and Alabama end up in the same bracket and it's a round of 32 matchup, you can't convince me that wasn't forced, right? Mm -hmm. Like Stuff like that happens, I think. But when they rank these teams, the way that they do the process – you got to look at everything. You got to look at resume. I think eye test does bake into it. Once again, who do you believe, based off of what they've done this season, is the number one team or deserves the top seed in college basketball? And if Auburn wins out, I don't know how you say Gonzaga over Auburn. I don't. They'll have the exact same overall record. Auburn may even have more wins because they might have played more games. Auburn will have a better Q1 record than Gonzaga, and they'll definitely have a better record of Q1 through Q3 compared to Gonzaga, who is playing a lot of Q4 games right now. I just think you look at the amount that Auburn has been tested and them losing, you know, them only losing one game over that stretch. If they were, and granted, this means they'd have to win the SEC tournament, but if Auburn did that, I don't know how you weigh that as less than what Gonzaga's done this year. I think you have to weigh it by more, and that should be the proof for you that Auburn should be the number one overall seed. Will they get it? Probably not, but they should. That's what I was going to ask. That's what you think should happen, but what do you think will happen? Gonzaga, if they if results hold and both of these teams win out, it will probably be Gonzaga. Fair enough. I, I agree with you. I Everything but you just said, I agree. I say that, but four voters inside the AP Top 25 still have Auburn as the number one team in the country. And that's very fair as well because you know, of all those things you just talked about. So we'll see. But Auburn's got to win out first for that question to even be relevant. That's right. And they've definitely got a lot of tough games in front of them on that front. Last question to you. Outside of the top five, which teams do you like the most to challenge the national championship picture inside college basketball? I like Kansas, man. I know they got blown out by Kentucky on their home floor, but I really do think the Jayhawks are playing really good basketball right now. I think they're playing a Big lot 12 better. Big 12 is a nasty conference. It's a nasty conference. If they make it out of there, which I think they will, I think they have a legitimate shot to make a deep run in the tournament. That's a team you don't want to match up against. Uh, you just They're playing better basketball than they were a month ago, and I think they're going to be playing better in a month from now than they are right now. And I think Kansas, they're the number six team in the AP poll, which means that'll put them at, what, a two seed in the tournament if it were to start today. Kansas... Some bracketologies have them as a one seed. It, it very well could be if a team loses, like Arizona or you know something like that, but... I think or I Purdue. think Kansas is a better basketball team than Arizona. I do too. I think they're a better basketball team than but Purdue is. They right play now. in a weak conference, and yep. so they're not losing right now. So they're getting the benefit of the doubt. Yep. So that would be my team to choose outside the top five to threaten for the national championship. Would be Kansas. What about you, my friend? Duke. I like this Duke team. People don't like that answer because everybody hates Duke. There was a documentary about it. People hate Duke. Um, they've lost four games by a combined nine points. That's where I go to, man. That's wild. And if they had made better decisions and they held leads in like all of those games down the stretch. Like, a last-second shot was used to beat them against Virginia. A last-second shot was used to beat them against Miami. Ohio State came back from down five with, like, a minute and a half left. You look at Duke, they, they blew leads. Like, Duke is nine points away from being undefeated, Jacob. I know, Undefeated. I, I like that pick. Undefeated, never lost. Okay, now Duke, granted, they play in a weak ACC this year, and sure, they've lost to some teams. Like, also, Duke's only favored by nine and a half against Wake Forest tonight, which, which, Wake Forest is a decent basketball team, but like, I still go back to 
the t- it, it weighs out a little bit it's like yeah duke's only lost four games by nine points combined but they still lost to teams that aren't that great in the grand picture of college basketball Ohio you State. look at auburn's two well they're a top 18 team in college basketball though i think they're a pretty de- decent team i know you are not a fan of ohio state but i think they're a good basketball team that's not a terrible loss auburn's two losses are against ranked teams right now you know what i mean like that's yep. i weigh that out differently so if we're talking about teams outside and duke is appropriately ranked right now i'm just saying teams outside the top five that may be better than their ranking suggests oh it's duke man and in coach k's last year last year watch out this is the type of stuff that could get 30 for 30s made out of it right i mean i mean coach k i'm sure is gonna have a 30 for 30 made out of him one day so that's the type of stuff you gotta watch out for let's take a quick break here and wrap up the show Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you today on the Tuesday edition of the show. If you've missed any of the show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Just a few minutes to go here in the show. Let's see what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. The 2022 Winter Olympics continue on NBC from 7 to 10.30 p.m. with figure skating, bobsled, speed skating, alpine skiing, and more. More quarterfinals of Jeopardy! National College Championship on ABC at 7. Movie selection for tonight, The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies is on AMC at 6. Tonight's college basketball schedule is loaded up with plenty of top 25 action at the 6 p.m. time slot. Number 9, Duke hosts Wake Forest on ESPN. While number 20 Texas is at Oklahoma on ESPN2. At the SEC, it's South Carolina at Ole Miss on ESPNU and Florida at Texas A&M on SEC Network. At 7.30, Minnesota is at number 18 Ohio State on Big Ten Network. 8 p.m. time slot, the headliner. Number 4 Kentucky at number 16 Tennessee on ESPN. Number 15 Wisconsin is at Indiana on ESPN2. Number 23 Arkansas and Missouri play on SEC Network. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. That was what was on TV tonight. Just a few more minutes to go in the show here on the line. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner with you. It's been a good show today, Noah. That's right. And if anybody's missed any of it, go and find the podcast wherever they get their podcast. Let's end the show off, not with final take. Let's do some basketball picks tonight. There's, There's enough good games. Let's do some basketball picks. And I've been crunching enough numbers. I've been doing enough math with my math formula people may not <laughs> some people out there know if they've listened to the show to long enough that i like to do uh i created a math formula to try and help me pick games sometimes successful sometimes not so i've got some games to pick let's talk about some of the headliners of course number 10 villanova at number eight Providence, seven o'clock cbs sports network we got about a minute and a half so we're gonna have to run quickly but i like villanova on the road i think villanova is playing good ball i think they're the better basketball team right now against providence maybe not with the spread it's four and a half but i like villanova on the road tonight at providence i like villanova on the road too the math likes villanova on the road now of course how do you factor in home court into a game like this providence wanting to make a statement i think villanova's been playing better on the offensive end of the floor they average almost three more points per game they're a little bit more efficient i think that plays out to be the difference in this one as well as just the the slight few turnovers that can that can change a basketball game give me villanova that they are more comfortable on this stage and then the big one to wrap up the show here number four kentucky at number 16 tennessee quick pick i like kentucky i like the wildcats they're playing some of the best ball in the country give me the wildcats on the road I like Kentucky on the road as well. I just don't know how anybody's going to run with Oscar Sheboy. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.